Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Welcome to church. For those who don't know me, my name is Michelle and I am married to Nathan who is the pastor, the lead pastor here at LifeGate and I am going to be speaking to you this morning. But before we do, let's pray and ask God to be working here. He's already working here, but we can always have him do more. Lord God, we thank you that you are a good God and you are kind and you are loving. Lord, we thank you that you have um, things that you want to say to us, Lord, and I ask that this morning you will enable me to speak clearly and speak well, Lord, to share the message that you've put on my heart to share in a way that people can hear. And Lord, I ask that our hearts will be open to hear what you want to say to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So this year, our theme is faithful. And it's around the idea of that we are living a life that is full of faith, full of trust in God, full of reliance on him, and full of surrender to him and what he wants for our lives and how he wants us to live. Today, I'm going to talk to you about how to stay faithful to God and his church after experiencing pain. So I'm going to start by sharing a story of my own um, from 15, no, I was going to say 15 years ago. That is incorrect. From when I was 15, which was not 15 years ago. Close, but not quite. Um, And at my church, we had a new family come along, a family of um, three girls were in the family. And they were about the same age as one of my sisters and I, And we got on really, really well with them. We got on really well. Like we hung out all the time, we laughed together, we talked. And that went on for quite a while until one day something happened in their family and we did not respond in the way they wanted us to respond. And they got very upset with us, including their mum was also very upset with us. And they would not let it go. They would not forgive us. The pastor's wife at the church we were at Um, saw that there was an issue, so she tried to organise a mediated session for us. We sat down together. My sister and I apologised again to them for hurting them, and they would not forgive. They would not let it go. Um, And they ended up obviously not being friends with us anymore uh, and eventually left that church we were at as well. Now, that was my first real experience of pain, I think, at church and being hurt by people who had been my friends and I expected to treat me better, I suppose. As a pastor's wife, I've also had the experience of um, seeing pain and hurt and experiencing that for myself in the church. Um, I've seen people get upset with Nathan, my husband, about decisions that he's made and as a result they have um, stopped talking to him or stopped coming to church and in the process people that I had considered my friend have also then therefore stopped talking to me as well which has been quite hurtful. Now I'm not sharing these stories today in order to bag out the church. That is not my desire and it's not what I want you to hear. 
because I do love the church. It's been somewhere I've gone my entire life. It's been a safe place for me for a really long time, a place where I've been able to let go of past hurts and baggage, a place where I've been safe enough to step out and see what um, God has placed in me that I can share with others and how I can serve him, and a place where, yeah, I've just, I've found family as well. So I'm not sharing these stories in any way to make the church sound bad, but it's hard to share on this particular topic of staying faithful to God's church without sharing that so that you know that this is something I understand. So this morning I want to start by looking at what do I mean when I talk about the church. Now I recently heard a pastor called Andrew Harper speak on the church and it was probably the best message I've ever heard on the church. So I'm going to take some of the things he said that I learnt from him and share them with you this morning. So the first thing that he said we need to understand is that the church is owned by Jesus. It's his. And we can see in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, the second half of it, it says, Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. And then Ephesians 4, um, verse 15 says, Instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. So repeatedly, this theme is there in the Bible, that it's Jesus' church. He is the head of it. And as Andrew Harper pointed out in his message, it's not okay for Christians to say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Or I love Jesus, but I don't really think the church is that important. Or I love the church, but it's not my priority because it is to Jesus. And as his followers, we're called to then be like him and have that same commitment and that same desire for the church to do well and be a place that we are part of. So what is our part in the church? Well, it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, that he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. So the whole church, all the Christians in the church, fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So if we have a look up here, it says that he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Jesus' desire for the church for Christians everywhere, is that we are united, that we are fitting together perfectly. And then it says that each part does its special work. Every person who is part of the church has a special job to do, a special part to play. Everyone, not just some people. It's not saved up for some, but for everybody. And why does he do that? Because he wants the whole body to be healthy, growing, and full of love. As we do our part, this is what we see happen. We see the church be healthy and growing and other people will then see the church and hear about the church, people who don't know Jesus, and they will want to know more about this amazing place where it's growing and healthy and full of love. That's Jesus' desire for us in the church. So coming to church on a Sunday for me is a priority. It's somewhere that I just, it's Sunday, I go to church. That's what we do as a family. It's a place where my family, I can see are being built up and cared for and loved. And I encourage you that if you um, haven't got to that place yet of recognising the church's priority, that that's something that you think about this morning because it's what is important to Jesus. 
Now, there are four things that I think we need to keep in mind um, to stay faithful to God's church after we experience pain. And so the first thing is that the church isn't perfect. So the church is the people, not the building, and it's filled with people who are imperfect. It's filled with me. I'm definitely not perfect, and it's filled with you. You are definitely not perfect, which I'm sure you already know. (laughs) Sorry, Melody, flash for you this morning. Um, So the fact is, the fact is the church is not perfect, and as a result, we will experience pain in the church. Jesus is perfect. He still values the church. He still sees it as being important. He still loves the church, even though we're not perfect. And so he calls us to do the same. Now, Nathan is particularly good at letting things go because of this first point. So obviously as a pastor, he experiences plenty of pain. And as I said, I've experienced my own lot of pain. And he'll often say to me, if something upsets me, he'll say, don't take offence to it. They're just broken people. We're all just broken people. And he means it and he lets things go so well as a result of understanding that point that we are broken, imperfect people who will cause pain to others intentionally or otherwise and they will cause pain to us intentionally or otherwise. Now, hopefully as Christians, we are trying to live in a life that is honouring to God, a life that loves others, but we will get it wrong because we are people who, are, who have been brought up by imperfect parents. We've been in, taught in imperfect schools. We work in imperfect workplaces we have imperfect relationships with other people and as a result of those imperfect things that happen we have wounding and we have that brokenness inside us that we carry around and that helps us hinders us is a better word when we interact with other people But as I said, hopefully we're people who are just trying to do our best. And if we see the church like that, an imperfect place with people who are trying to live for Jesus the best they can, it helps to let things go. The second thing that we need to keep in mind is that forgiveness is not an option for Christians. Now, this can be a particularly tough topic to cover if you have experienced a lot of pain and you carry around a lot of hurt. But the Bible is clear. God is clear. Forgiveness is not an option for us. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. And then it goes on, there's, in Luke chapter 6, this is Jesus' words, he says, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And Jesus explains this in a story, a parable for us as well. So we can understand that this is not an option. Because he has forgiven us for so much in the past and in the future. Everything we've ever done wrong, he has forgiven us for all of it. And his, that covers a lot, a lot of sin, a lot of hurt, 
um, things that we have done that have hurt God, but he forgives us anyway. And in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 to 35, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. And apparently in those days, the rabbis at the time were saying three. Three was the number. You forgive people three times. Peter obviously recognized that Jesus was more loving than the rabbis around him and said seven. He was being generous. And Jesus said, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. And it's not a, well, I've, I'm keeping track. I've tallied up every time I've forgiven them. I'm at 77. I'm done now. That's not what Jesus is saying. Instead, he's saying, don't keep track. Just forgive. And then he goes on to explain it in a, a, like, as I said, in a parable. And he says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And in this story, the king is representing God. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. That's about, well, that's about, that's millions of dollars. Too much for this man to have ever paid back at any point in his life. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt, which was what they were allowed to do in those days. At this time, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Uh, the servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. As I said, he could never have paid that debt, but the, the um, king let it go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a few hundred coins. So it was just a few dollars. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. The same words he had just said. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then Jesus said, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It's a big call. Yeah? We are not obligated to choose as Christians if we will or won't. If we're going to live a faithful life, we have to forgive. There's a story that's been shared a few times here at LifeGate, but it tells the story so well of what that looks like when we have trouble forgiving. And it's a about a lady named Corrie Ten Boom who lived during the war and she was put into a concentration camp. Her family tried to... Um, they were helping to hide Jews um, from the Nazis and um, she got put in a concentration camp. While there, her sister passed away um, and it was just awful. You can read her story in a book called The Hiding Place. And this is a story she shares at the end, that when she got out, she was speaking on God's forgiveness and one of the guards that had been in the concentration camp was there and he came up and he asked for her forgiveness and she could remember 
the things he had done. And she was saying to herself and saying to God, I can't, I can't forgive him. But God reminded her that it was not an option and that she had to forgive him. And so she said to God, I'll stick my hand out in order to shake his hand. I can do that. You'll have to do the rest. And she said that she put her hand out to shake his hand and she felt like electricity run down her body. And she said then she, she wept and they cried and she truly forgave him in that moment because God equipped her to do it. He doesn't ask us to forgive and then leave us on our own to struggle with it when he knows the pain, but he helps us in the middle of that. And God doesn't ask us to forgive because it's good for the other person. He also asks us to forgive because it's good for us. Um, somewhere, I couldn't find, go back and find it, but somewhere in one of the books I've got by Corrie Ten Boom, she visited someone, um, a place where other people had been put in concentration camps and they had come out on the other side of the war. And she said that the people there shared with her that the people who could forgive, those who had held them captive, those people who could hand it over to God, they went on to live a life with purpose and freedom. But the people who could not forgive stayed trapped in their pain. God asks us to forgive because he knows it's best for us. For those girls I shared about at the start of the story, they didn't forgive. They ended up leaving a church where they had been part of the church. They had been connected in really well and they, they didn't stay. They couldn't stay because they could not let go of the hurt and they moved to another church instead, possibly to do that same thing over and over again because they would not let it go. If um, sometimes... Forgiving ourselves can be the hardest thing to do. I shared this message at Preston's and that's what someone said to me at the end. Giving ourselves can be hard and I understand that that is the case. A number of years ago, I had a conversation with someone that went really badly and I hurt them a lot. Um, and I spent about two years struggling to let go of the pain, of, of the unforgiveness of myself for the pain that I had caused them because that was not my desire to hurt them, but I did very badly. And um, that can be really hard to let go of. So if there's any kind of forgiveness that you are struggling to give to somebody, including yourself, I encourage you to talk to someone at the end of our service on our prayer team or your life group leader or one of our pastors here or a trusted Christian friend so that you can work through that and live with the freedom God wants for you to have. But living a faithful life doesn't just involve forgiveness God goes a step further and he says that we are to love others. And if we have a look at Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and 28, it says, again, this is Jesus speaking, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. This is a step further. It doesn't mean we become best friends with the person who's hurt us. It doesn't mean we have to have a close relationship with them. But it does say we should do good to them. We shouldn't be out to get them. We should bless them or speak well of them. And we should pray for them. And I don't know if you've ever prayed for someone who's hurt you. But God does something special when we pray. And it can be really hard to do. Really hard to pray. Like forgiveness can be hard. Praying for someone can be hard. But God does something in us and changes our heart from being hurt and broken 
into loving those people as we pray for them. The next thing we need to keep in mind is our last point this morning is that God is the one who heals our pain. Often we can forgive somebody, but the pain lasts longer. We can, we can pray and we can forgive them over and over again. We can say, I forgive them to their face or anything like that, but the pain can sometimes stay. And it's in the Bible, it tells us that it's God who heals our hurt. So in Psalm 147, verse 3, it says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Um, and I have experienced this myself. A number of years ago at church, I had someone who was part of the church who I'd shared my story with. I'd shared my um, struggles, my hurts around being a pastor's wife, things like that. I'd shared my journey with them. And they had seemed to understand. They called me their friend. They literally said, hello, friend, when they saw me. But one day things changed a bit. I don't know what happened. Um, this person and their husband, I think, I think, I'm just guessing, got upset, I think, with something Nathan must have done because they refused to talk to him and work through it. They wouldn't meet with him. They wouldn't have a conversation. And I didn't realise how damaged the relationship was um, until one day, scrolling through social media, and there was a post that let me know there had been a party. And I found out through a few different ways that all the people who had been in a particular friendship group were at the party and we were not. I was so surprised. I remember saying to Nathan, did you get an invitation and we missed it? Have we missed this party? Normally we don't care. We're not invited. That's okay. You can have parties and we will not be upset. But this one, I was like, did we miss it? What, oh, how did this happen? And then when I realised we were intentionally excluded from this party, I cried. I cried a lot. I cried that day. I cried the next day. I cried the next day. I felt betrayed. This had been someone who called me their friend and then had not acted like it. I'd even seen them a couple of days before the party happened. They said nothing. Um, I felt rejected. I felt like every person around me was a threat now. They had been my friend and they rejected me and hurt me. And so I started to come to church, looking at every person at church like a threat. And church was very tiring in those days because it is exhausting to try and keep yourself protected from everybody because every person around you is a threat. Now, I chose to forgive this person. had to do it on a number of occasions. If I went, ooh, I think I still have some bitterness towards them. But then the hurt stayed, the pain stayed. And I couldn't get rid of it. I went to a psychologist to talk through the situation that was not connected to anybody else because I knew I needed someone not connected. And so I, I talked to the psychologist. She had some great things to say. She said to me, if your child had a friend and that friend hurt them, would you tell them that every other person that they would be friends with would be the same? No, no, I wouldn't. 
So that was a good point to remember, but it didn't heal my hurt. There was still hurt there. It was only when I'd prayed and asked God to heal my heart and take away the pain. But it wasn't even just that. So I'd prayed that, still trying to protect myself. But then I remember praying that God would use me to encourage other people at church. I changed my prayer just a little to help me to encourage people at church, help use me in some way when I'm there. And I think that in that moment, in that prayer, it turned from a God just help heal my pain to I really want you to heal my pain because I want to be used by you. And in that moment and in those days ahead, that pain was healed. Um, now, the other weekend, the long weekend, we took away the life group leaders, the youth leaders, the staff and the elders. And I had one moment where I sat at the edge of the dining room. I was sitting at a table on the outside looking across the room and I got a little bit emotional. I held it together because crying in the dining room is weird. But I looked across and I thought, wow, we have great people here at LifeGate. We have people who genuinely just want to love God and love other people. They're going to get it wrong. I'm going to get it wrong. But that's their heart. And I was amazed at how much healing God had done in me as I sat in that room. And instead of having a room full of people who were a threat, I looked at a room full of people that I wanted to know and connect with more. That is the healing power of God. So this morning, do you have pain? Is there some story that you've got? Because as I said, we'll all have it. We'll all have things people have done to hurt us or we've done things that we've upset about ourselves. Is there something out of these four things this morning that you can take away and say, I need to do one of those? Is it to recognise that the church isn't perfect and perhaps you've held it in a way that it needs to be? Or perhaps it's that there's someone you, you haven't forgiven, but you realise to live a life that is faithful to God. Forgiveness is not an option. Or perhaps it's speaking well of someone who's hurt you or praying for them and loving them. Or perhaps it's saying, God, I have pain that I can't heal. Nothing else is working. I need you to take it. Which one of those things this morning do you need to take and hold on to? And I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to worship God. And we're going to sing King of My Heart. I love this song. It speaks about having God as the place that we run to. When we have experienced pain and hurt, he's the one that we need to go to. He's the king of our heart, the one who brings healing and freedom. Let's worship him. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer, and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.